Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. For those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I am a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. It's something I love just as much alternative rock or cult movies. If you've been following my blog, you've noticed that I like to cover some so bad they're good movies, and I thought it would be really fun to discuss how I've discovered them over the years. Why anyone who loves some best worst films should give those a go. So today marks the inaugural episode of our Smells Like Cinematic Sadness series, get it? And where I'll be covering the best of bad movies. And my co-host is my friend Damon Shell. We've bonded over bad films ever since our college days. And we've always had fun seeking out the best of the worst. And we're going to be discussing some of these amazing turd treasures. Uh, for this episode, we're going to look back at the film that kind of kickstarted our mutual love affair of bad movies. It's Raw Deal. If you don't know it, it's not surprising. It's one of the uh, few bombs by the infamous Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you're about to find out why it's so bad it's good and why you should check it out nonetheless. So sit back and enjoy. Yeah, I guess we can just talk about how we got into it, because, I mean, I think the first time that we really started enjoying, or like talking about enjoying bad movies, for what I can recall, was seeing Raw Deal way back when. Seems yeah. Like, seems like we watched that, because, you know, my friend Jack turned me on to that. Yeah, I think that was one of the first ones that got us into it. I mean, I'm sure there were, in, a, in our past, there were some movies that we had seen that were just, like, so, you know, so god-awful that, you know, we either, you know, got so frustrated and walked out of it or, or something, but but what really got us onto the video cassette portion of this was, was raw deal. I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, I, but I think what a lot of people too don't know uh, today, you know, cause now you can watch stuff on cable or YouTube or whatever. But like when we were kids, you know, even before we like got into the appreciate that bad movie being a bad movie, we were had like all the UHF stations. And you, oh yeah. yeah. And you wake up on Saturday morning and it'd be either like some bad Godzilla movie or there'd be like a Kung Fu, you know, martial arts movie. And I think yeah, and, I, and even those late night things, I mean, there would be late night shows that were just so bizarre and odd. Like, you know, they would show these movies late at night that were just just off the wall stuff. And it was uh, I mean, at the time, like as a kid, when you're watching it or as a teenager, when you're, when you're watching it, you're you're just get, you're you're kind of you're starting to get that it's a piece of shit you know like there's a certain age where you know it even even just the worst crap kids still kind of like appreciate it and, and like it but there's, there's a certain point where you start to figure out that that stuff is just putrid, putrid. <laughs> i think yeah if i think back to being a kid i think the first thing i remember seeing something going like this is legitimately terrible was a bedtime for bonzo I think that <laughs> that Ronald Reagan maybe like an ex president uh, was was playing you know second fiddle to a chimp, <laughs> and the chimp was way a way better actor than the than the supposed star. <laughs> oh God, what I would give for a president who was only playing second fiddle to a chimp and not a chimp himself. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, because I mean, once we started getting into the you know. Because I mean, you live in St. Louis in those winters, there was like, oh yeah, absolutely nothing. It was like ball numbing cold. Nothing. You just couldn't go outside. And so our <laughs> our thing to do was, you know, like we weren't always going out to parties or bars, and we we would, but of course, you know, yeah, we yeah, kinda, we weren't like the typical. I mean, our school wasn't like the typical school where you would you had a lot of you know athletes and like kind of guys who would you know be going out to bars and parties all the time. I mean, we were all art students pretty much, and. 
So, you know, we, we always did things a little differently. <laughs> and definitely going to the video store on the weekends or even the weeknights and kind of going through the aisles seemingly endlessly, like, you know, what should have been like a quick jaunt to pick one movie out. It took like often hours or, oh, yeah. or, or at least 30 minutes. If, if Yeah, if, I mean, 30 minutes was the, the, the least amount of time we'd spend in there because we would start, we kind of figured out, uh, like we started to f- have a formula for where to go first in the video stores because we started to figure out which types of films were at, at a certain point, like the, the worst of the worst where it was still hilarious. So we would go, you know, we would go to the sci-fi section. That was one of the ones that would always have some obscure, weird things. And then we, mm-hmm. if we, we, we would, you know, peruse over three or four and kind of get an idea, like maybe these are the ones, but I mean, we weren't, we didn't just go in and like make up our minds. We, we literally would go through the whole sections and go through them, you know, two or three times, just trying to find the right one for, for what we thought it was going to be. And I mean, that was, that was as much of the night as it was watching the film itself was going through this and also just laughing at the cover art and the Uh descriptions of the films. And I mean, some of these things, I mean, that was just part of the whole process. You you know, it, it wasn't like today where, I mean, there is no process. You just, you know, stream it or download it and and you don't get on any of the cover art. You don't get any of these things. I mean, you can still find this stuff, but it's not the same thing as, experiencing it all at the same time in one kind of encompassing uh, uh, turd ball, if you could say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we took it almost like a science project. So so we've kind of talked about how we got into watching bad movies, and we mentioned Raw Deal, and I, I really felt that since Raw Deal was kind of the movie that kicked that off for us, maybe that should be our first, our first uh, entry, kind of a nice, solid turd... Uh, to st- stir the punch bowl, so to speak. A dry stool. Yes. And, and, and raw, raw deal for those who don't know, and, and you, you won't be, I won't be mad at you if you don't know, because um, Raw Deal is kind of like, uh, it's one of Schwarzenegger's lost movies. I mean, lo- so many of Schwarzenegger's movies, even the bad ones, like Commando and stuff like that, you know, they still made money at the box office and they're still yeah. on cable all the time and they, you know, they have launched a bunch of one-liners and, yeah, things like that. They're on. They're on. Un, <clears throat> they're on Univision like every other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can, you know, all all that good stuff. But Raw Deal was a very cheesy action movie. Um, directed. Do you remember who directed it? Uh, I believe the name was John Irving or something. Yeah, like that's, that. that's right. It, it was. Yeah. It was yeah. John. It was John Irving, and he was basically a workman like director. I don't really know much of John Irvin stuff. And I think that's probably for a good reason. Well, I, I think he also did uh Swayze's next of kin. Perfect. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, so. and, 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 and that shows you just what a director that, that John Irving was. He was a very workman like, uh, action movies that yeah. were very, uh, just blase bland, you're not gonna see any inventive cinematography. There's no. no, there's no fancy camera work. It's all locked on a tripod. Yeah, and lots of just longer scenes of like violence or packing guns away into things, preparing for the battle of the scenes and all these things, which are just so unnecessary and useless and over the top. <laughs> Very over the top, and and it's and it's really if it wasn't for the cast and the fact that it was in the theater, you would you'd have thought it was a TV TV movie. It's got a very TV movie feel to it for me except for the oh yeah except for the profanity um because it's just it just has that like 
80s cop show kind of feel to it you know it's like well well, yeah i mean even the final scene is the freeze frame just like mm -hmm. all those 80s tv series hard castle and mccormick i was just about to say it (laughs) (laughs) it was a total it it was it was very much a product of its time and you basically you see schwarzenegger doing his shtick but he's doing it in a film that wasn't quite tailored for him i don't think because I mean, to say the least, yes. yeah. Because most Schwarzenegger films, they're they're very outlandish. They're kind of over the top. You know, he's gonna be ridiculous and and all this. But this one, they try to convince us that Schwarzenegger should be a small town sheriff, <laughs> and he plays a small town sheriff. I, I believe I know the story. It was uh, he used to be in the FBI in New York, and he um, um, was suspended for uh, beating of almost a man to death who had raped a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which leads up to that famous line, you know, in the film where he describes what happened. But so he was put, he was suspended and, uh, the only job he could get apparently was the small town, uh, sheriff's job. But, but still, but still, that still is not matching Schwarzenegger in the least. I mean, no, he's, I, I, I cannot see Schwarzenegger at Quantico. I just don't believe he would make it, make it through the, uh, <laughs> the the intelligence training. I don't know. And this is really bad opening scene where it's like him chasing a guy in a motorcycle. And afterwards, he, he gets him and he's seen back in the sheriff's house. This guy's like, you, you want something to sheriff or something like that? It's, it's some some deputy. <laughs> and it's just so ludicrous that he's like talking to him like this guy from this like thick Austrian accent. who You know, this is a town that could probably barely, you know just they they were it's just a, it's an odd fit and <laughs> yeah exactly but but uh, one person that tries to class up the film best as he can is is the great character actor darren mcgavin uh yes and darren mcgavin plays uh schwarzenegger's old boss who he he wants schwarzenegger to go back and uh go after the person who killed his son who was also an agent and he got killed in an early mob hit so basically schwarzenegger is being hired hired muscle to go take care of Gary McGavin's uh, son's death because he feels a kind of a paternal, uh, paternal yeah. quality there. So, but yeah, what you're talking about earlier when they were discussing it, um, and Gary McGavin's character is basically trying to, you know, go off on, on why Schwarzenegger got fired. His character, he, he says, he molested, murdered, emulated her. <laughs> he molested, murdered, and mutilated her, and he mutilated that because that is not a line you give a guy with such a thick Austrian accent. And it's it's just it it was. I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta check out the check out the, if you haven't seen it, you gotta check out the clip on YouTube. It's it's just it's classic. It's just he molested, murdered, and mutilated her, <laughs> mutilated. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and luckily it was in it was in it was in that order it was that's a, that was a very nice order you know the molesting then the murdering then the mutilating as, yeah, yeah, as opposed to the uh, murdering then the um, or the mutilating first then the uh, <laughs> molesting the murdering second and the molesting third that's yeah. far more disturbing so <laughs> yeah, they took they, they took the, the, the gentle route the, the gentle trio of of very unsettling <laughs> stuff and and playing his wife let me look up her name it's Blanche Baker. 
Uh, yes, the other actress was Catherine Harold. Yeah, yeah and we'll, yeah. we'll get to her in a minute. But Blanche yeah. Baker plays Schwarzenegger's, and Schwarzenegger's character was Mark Kaminsky. And this, his wife is played by uh, Molly Ringwald's older sister from 16 Candles. That's where yeah. I know her from. Right. And, she, and she plays basically a really, just like 16 Candles, she plays someone who's kind of like drunk a lot of the time, like <laughs> kind of out of it and miserable. And and this film, she basically just says that she's tired of living this life. She hates being in this small town and misses being in the big city. And, and at one point, she makes him a, a cake that says shit on it <laughs> in, in icing. Very, you know, Betty Crocker. And, the, and then she tosses the uh, cake at Schwarzenegger. He dodges it. And then he says, You should not drink and bake. <laughs> and then, it, then the scene ends. And that's, that's the it. end of the scene. That's it. And, 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 <laughs> You should not drink and bake. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. drink and bake. I mean, and, and, and that shows you, too, that, you know, even by Schwarzenegger one-liner standards, which are, you know, always very groany, eye-rolling, this one is... Yeah. These are... Yeah, this, this is one of the worst. If these you, are if you, weak. If you get the clip, because it's so emotionless. I mean, even in, in some of his other one-liners, you know, he kind of... He, you can kind of see this sly smirk or something going on and this one was so deadpan and so flat it just made the whole scene incredibly more awkward other than the just horrible line and dialogue <laughs> but if i'm not mis- if i'm not mistaken though do we ever see her again no that's it and and, <laughs> and it's and it's, it's it's good because i mean i mean schwarzenegger we know he's not a great actor but if if he's in a film with certain people, like even in True Lies, like he and Jamie Lee Curtis had yeah. a nice chemistry. I thought you know, they were playing yeah. off each other. You know, he he can yeah. he can be engaging. There is no chemistry with these two. I mean, it was no. clearly it's clear she was brought in for for basically two scenes. Yeah, and uh, and after that great scene, when he decides he's going to go after these bad guys, he they make instead of just doing some real simple way to to fake his death, he blows up an entire chemical plant, which seems. <laughs> Just first off, it's just not um, bad, to, bad for the environment. You know, he blows up an entire the hazardous chemical. It's just a fake. I'm sure that there's an easier way to do it, but he, it's a bit excessive, I believe. Yes, and it had one of those great '80s, you know, super flammable, sky high inferno explosions, which yeah. is. And I believe, um, <laughs> and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that. Uh, uh, the only security or, or thing he had to cross to get into this highly flammable thing to, to do all of this was a chain link fence gate with a, <laughs> a with a chain linked on it that he just cut like to go right in and drive right in and do his mayhem. It was like, yeah. <laughs> and so then, so then from there he goes up and becomes this um, undercover mob guy basically he gets on this his shiny suit and slicks his hair back and tries to pass off as a mafioso and you can imagine just how not believable that is yeah. and, for, and then he changes his name because then his alias is joseph p brenner oh which, yeah which is you know again it's and so then he tries to ingratiate himself into this mob world by basically pissing off the mobster he wants to work for which is kind of a weird way of doing it yeah at like uh basically tossing up a house of illegal gambling, which leads to another great moment where he's, he's discovering that these gambling tables are rigged and his, his way he reveals it to the audience is magic or magnets. <laughs> and you have to rewind that thing about 20 times. I'm saying what the hell he's saying. Cause he's like, magic, magnet, magnet, magnet. I mean, you don't know what he's, what he's saying. 
Um, and the, and the, film, the film is full of like things like that. You really have to rewind it a lot. So what we were talking about earlier was that before there were gifts, you know, these wonderful little three 15 second loops of these things are making things funnier and funnier. The more you watch it, we would rewind or rewind these video tapes of these movies and watch these same stupid scenes over and over again. It's something, some reason watching them in that fast succession made it funnier, made the bad parts funnier. And it gave it almost <laughs> right. a hallucinatory quality to stuff. And I can't really explain it better than that. I don't know if you can. Uh, yeah, I think you explained it pretty well with the, the gifts. That's, that's the, the best thing I could think of. But I think, uh, exactly that same mentality of the gift, that short snippet, which is running forwards and looping or what even made it funnier for us, for us sometimes that you didn't see in the initial watching was when you rewind it. Like sometimes the rewinding mm-hmm. portion of it was even funnier than the <laughs> forward portion of it, like certain movements and actions. So we would rewind that shit back and forth and forwards and back over and over uh, and just laugh our ass off. So I think it's someone who who uh, was also doing that or in you know making these rewinding things uh, and finding them funny at the time during videotapes is most likely also someone who, when the internet uh, became uh, more popular, that uh, figured out how to to do the gifts and make the gifts uh, work in the same way because uh, it, it just taps into the same basic wiring of the brain for these funny little snippets that uh, that are even funnier when they're looped. So, yeah, I think that's a great analogy is the gif. And there was one thing about about the film too is in addition to uh, Darren McGavin, you've got some other kind of cult actors uh, the main bad guy was also a director and it was sam wanamaker and he played the big you know italian mob boss oh but luigi petrovita and i remember that that at one point schwarzenegger is trying to ingratiate himself and and impress him by you know acting like a tough guy and all kind of stuff and he goes smart i like smart ass i don't (laughs) And that's another indication of the kind of subgrade tough guy dialogue that's that's permeating through this through this stinker. So when he goes to the town, one of the characters he plays by what we mentioned earlier was Catherine Harold, who plays Monique, who's basically yes. a a uh, what do they call those a gun mall? Is that the yeah the, gun if, mall right? Yeah, yeah. It's basically a, a, mob, a mobster's uh, a mobster floozy who, <laughs> who's basically you know she's she's basically tasked with acting like she likes him but of course she actually falls for him and there's a really terrible uh, almost sex scene where uh, they're making out and uh it's just it's and again there's no chemistry and she takes off his shirt and she's like he's you know massive pecs and she goes oh my god (laughs) and and then he falls back on the bed starts snoring (laughs) and then she why does she say this up something like uh she rolls her eyes. It's something really corny, like "Oh, can't catch a break" or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that, but it's so unse- <laughs> It's so unsexy. First, her her reaction is "Oh my god!" It's just <laughs> like so. It's just like, <laughs> and you can, and you can tell she's not into it either. I mean, there's no yeah. chemistry. But but yeah, there's there's that line where where you know he's trying to tell her that he's still married and but he's he still has affection for her once we friends she's like if i went to friends i'd go to summer camp or whatever it's, it was <laughs> yeah. and that was kind of their line trying to be like this like this. yeah it's like 35 year old woman i will you will go to summer camp 
<laughs> and it is so much crap. There's like a there's like an end scene where he goes after people when he's rolling down a, a convertible, driving down this like dirt, dirt road, oh, yeah. and they're they're playing the Ramones. Uh, no, the Ramones. The, the Ramones. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm ex- I'm exhausted. They're playing the, <laughs> the Rolling Stones. Satisfaction. And he's wearing this super tight <laughs> white. A t-shirt. Isn't it a t-shirt? And then a leather jacket, like another leather tight leather jacket over it. And he's just like he's just driving around doing donuts and like just pumping his shotgun, just pumping off, pumping off. (laughs) (laughs) And there's there's just like there's like the worst um shot. Uh just the worst like uh visual sense. There's just no kinetic energy to it. There's no uh the composition. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like you know, it just it just struck me. Some of the scenes like look like an amateur film of a demolition derby at a state fair. <laughs> like when he's just <laughs> when he's just kind of spinning around in the dirt and like nothing's really happening. He's just kind of like that's like, that's exactly what just popped in my head. <laughs> and it's 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 just like that. There's no visual like charm to it or excitement mm-hmm. to it. It's just like. It's almost like documenting the event, you know. It's like <laughs> just there's so many, and it's not just it's not it's, it's not just Schwarzenegger too. There's like one part where where it's very odd where there is a undercover officer acting like she's a jogger, and she busts a uh, a mob guy. She like catches it before he's about to to try to you know do something illicit. She's like, do some mob la-? stuff. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, when's the last time he took a good piss? <laughs> Yes, that's <laughs> some weird line. But it's a, and and those and that brings us to the other line. What's the one? You know his name. He has the the, the his a, second alias, the middle initial P. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, 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 what was the guy that played that cop? There was that. Like, um, he was a he was a great B. He died just a couple years ago. He was in Alfred Hitchcock's Family uh, Plot. The black hair. No, he's the bald guy. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of who it was. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm I have to look, look it up. up. I'm gonna look him up because right. he deserves to. He deserves to. Uh, I think. I think Robert Davi was in that also, wasn't he? Wasn't yeah. Robert Davi? He was a yeah. He was Robert, a pretty. He was a good character actor in a lot of stuff. He was always playing a mob. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Robert Davi. He play, He was basically like like the guy that Schwarzenegger was was teamed up with. That was like his training guy. And of course, Robert Davi yeah. hated him. And there was a lot of really bad, like you know, who's he, you know, big swinging dick party, who, yeah. who, who's who's the biggest <laughs> badass, and yeah. and Davi's also very interested in Catherine Harold's character, which leads to a very unconvincing um, love triangle, which there is no love. So <laughs> let me look at this. I need to look this guy up because this this yeah, guy sure. this guy was in a bunch was in a bunch of Hollywood movies, and he just had that real classic, just hard boiled. Um, expression, and I'm gonna find him. Just give me one second here. We'll yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Once you uh, pull the name up, I'll recognize, and I'll show you a picture of him too, so that you can, you folks listening can't can't see the picture, but it'll help us to uh, better inform, entertain the lot of you. Let's see here. Scrolling, there he is, Ed Lauder. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, okay, I got it, Ed Lauder. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. At, at one point he he corners uh, Schwarzenegger's character when he was trying to uh, fight off some guys in an alleyway, and he takes his ID. He's like, "Joseph P. Brenner. What does a P stand for?" And the word was <laughs> pussy, pussy, pussy. 
and uh, that was that. <laughs> that. That was that, and that's again. It just is a very low energy Schwarzenegger movie that there's just yeah. not a lot of passion to. I mean, it seems like it seems like no one wants to be there. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be there. You really get that feeling from every performance. I mean, uh, Darren McGavin, you know, bless his heart because he's he's such a great actor. He he tried to pump something into that, but. I, you can even tell in some of it he he was done, you know. It was like, <laughs> but my my favorite scene of the whole movie, I think, is the, oh, yeah. the, the best scene of the whole movie. At one point, uh, Schwarzenegger and, and McGavin meet up during a scene where there's a shootout at a cemetery. And uh, McGavin's character gets hit. And uh, he... Uh, Schwarzenegger's character's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And <laughs> McGavin, who's in there dying of a gunshot wound, says, it's all right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Go get out of here. It's okay. Uh, I mean, he just like, oh, you know, I just got shot. And I'm probably not going to make it, but it's all right. His, his, his delivery that is that's that's the hardest I laugh in the movie because it's so it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the best. I remember that. This uh, delivery you're not expecting that at all. I no. mean, I mean, just. I, it, I mean, the script supervisors, the people who went over this thing. I mean, at some point, didn't they say like that's that's not a natural reaction to being shot? <laughs> it's all right. Don't <laughs> that, worry <that's>, about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's no, it's no worry. And and, and, and then of course, I'm peachy, I'm peachy keen. That's right. And then of course, <laughs> and of course, since Arnold can't act his way out of a bag, he he gives no. He just like. Oh. <laughs> So, so he, that whole thing kind of washes off of him. He doesn't really respond very effectively to that. We also had another actor who's in this film who who was kind of a, a semi big deal in the nineties. That was Joe Regabuto. 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 Oh, yes. He was Joe Regabuto. Yeah, he did a lot of. He played a lot of mob characters. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, but he's best known as the kind of whiny reporter on Murphy Brown. That was like his like yeah. big big hit. But he was a very whiny mob boss or not mob boss he was like a undercover or he he was some maybe he i think actually i think he was like like some like city figure or maybe a politician uh, yeah and, politician. He got, yeah. and so he, he was like roped into because he had like you know he had some dirty stuff on him and he had to get out and sort of schwarzenegger yeah. was gonna take them all down and didn't care if he was ancillarily involved or whatever he was gonna go right and so in the in one of the big fight scenes at the end he's cowering in the corner going <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is really like a emasculated uh, 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 death scene. Whimper. It's just, it is a whimper. Yeah. It is, is a, indeed a whimper. And and that scene occurs inside uh, the stronghold of, of these mob guys in this really like ugly bar area. And there's a scene where this very stout character, a stout fella, comes out with a gun. And he goes, yeah! And then he immediately gets <laughs> shot and he goes, whoa! <laughs> So if you if you if you if you rewound it and fast forward like we like to do, you go yeah whoa yeah whoa yeah whoa, and something about something about, about that guy, that guy's face. I don't know his name. He it was only in there for just a couple of seats, but just that yeah whoa yeah <laughs> just and just the the the, the, the getting. The getting shot and unshot and shot and unshot uh-huh. shot and unshot and the sound of it and. Oh, pushing forwards back, indeed. <laughs> that was another really, really strong, strong laugh I got from it. Yeah, 
but the whole the whole thing just feels very perfunctory. And 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 as I mentioned in our intro, we were discussing uh, the reason I discovered this film was we have a a group of a guy named Jack Dill Summersby, and I'm hoping that Jack will give us a list. I think he really enjoy. I hope he actually comes on here at some point with us. I think he would be a real fun to to talk to. But but he, he told me he told me he told me I kind of ruined Rod Dill because he actually like legitimately liked the movie. He said, right. and he said that I ruined it for him because I was laughing the whole time and I'm like <laughs> and I'm like but you were showing these scenes and you're laughing too he's like no I, I thought it had heart in it and and, and like you I watch it and you, <laughs> you ruined it for me so I'm like well that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's that. but but you but you gave me a treasure so that's right <laughs> that's the trade-off <laughs> I, I think I think I've become kind of good at ruining things for people like that I don't mean to but you know yeah, yeah I mean but I mean, but sometimes, I mean, even a lot of films today, which people count as like, you know, great films or like really worth watching. I mean, I'll sit through and I'll just look, watch some scenes and it's it's, it's almost the same things. I mean, it's just like ridiculous overreactions or just implausible things happening. And it's just, yeah, so <laughs> I think that's not new. It's still going on. And 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 I and I, th- I think the thing that, the ultimate groaner for raw deal what really makes it a, a true just total piece of piece of cinematic poop is is, <laughs> is 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 that in freeze frame shot and in that in freeze frame shot you've got darren mcgavin who's now in in rehab uh he he's he's been he's in a wheelchair and he's they're trying to get him to walk on crutches and he so walk. so so uh so let me get this right he 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 wasn't all right he wasn't, he wasn't fine. It was all right. Let's, let's go. <laughs> no, he, 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 he can't walk. And I that, can't walk. I'm and, all right. And so he went from feeling I'm all right to being a real mopey, a mopey puss. Oh, yeah. And, and so Shorsek visits him in the, in the hospital. And he discovered it through this monologue that, that he uh, reunited with his wife. And a very unconvincing monologue about how things are better than ever, which is <laughs> the wife like, we never saw again. Yes. Yeah, and, and the wife who thought he was dead. You know, yeah. he, he had to come back and tell her that he he didn't kill himself and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure she really enjoyed being being used as collateral damage for that, and happened <laughs> to be. Had to be he didn't kill himself, but there were uh, uh, there was a village of about two hundred and fifty people who yeah, were immediately, probably, who immediately were struck him down with tumors and <laughs> <laughs> evaporated in the middle, middle of the night. Ch- 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 Chernobyl, North Dakota, <laughs> but you, but you find that out, and then of course uh, there's this scene where he's he's trying to get in rehab, and there's this nurse who's who's you know trying to work with him and just get this dejected look. He's just not trying hard enough, kind of a thing. And at one point, uh, Schwarzenegger's character turns to him and he's like, "Would you do it for Blair?" Now Blair <laughs> Blair was his son that got killed in the, in the early part of the film. He's like, yeah. You do it for Blair because before that he said, "You can push me into traffic. I don't give a shit." That was his whole reply to, <laughs> yeah. to the rehabilitation. So, <laughs> so they go back and forth. He's like, "Meets me halfway." Oh yeah, there. Oh, he. Uh, you you missed the point. Uh, Schwarzenegger steps onto this very long <laughs> treadmill. It's probably like a fifteen foot <laughs> treadmill. So he steps onto it on one end. <laughs> And then they they pull McGavin up onto the other end, and this is a wide shot, so you see it like you know, so you see the whole thing. So here they are standing like face to face on this fifteen foot treadmill, and and McGavin is like, I can't do it, I can't do it. 
Catholic Schwarzenegger says, will you meet me halfway? <laughs> so then they, they, it's something about his godson though too, right? Um, like Schwarzenegger says something about he wants him to be yes, the yes, godfather right. yeah. to his son because yeah. he's going to have a son. Yeah, because, because his wife who thought that he was dead is now pregnant. Right. And, and McGavin has a great line. He says, uh, he says, will you do it for my godson? And he's like, I don't have to walk to be a godfather. <laughs> and short response, short response is, no, but you have to try it like hell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is very long, painful scene with really like annoying, shitty, schmaltzy music that's just trying yeah. to be real. And, it's and, and, and this is and this nauseating. is what, this is what really makes it look like a, a TV movie is because of that sappy, mm-hmm. you know, that moment where the the person you know finds their inner strength or whatever it is, and the, yeah, and, that's, and, that's exactly and, it. And, and that's in that one scene that the that the nurse who deserves, oh man, she sucks so bad. Yeah, she's so bad. You, you could tell that it's like doused with by zing. Cause the scene where she's like, <laughs> acting like she's crying. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, she, she looks, she, it's like she's trying not to laugh. That's what it looks yeah. like going to happen. And so, <laughs> so you see Darren McGavin almost stumbling. He like giggles and then he falls on the short singer's arms and it's sort of and then it's freeze frames. And they're like in this mid embrace. And the music goes, <laughs> it is poop. <laughs> but even before that, when they uh, before the embrace, he like he can't walk. He's having trouble. He's 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 hobbling through it. You see it in this. And then as he finally, I think when he starts the giggling, they do just the strange shot of his feet where he does like this wee, like they he kicks up. <laughs> you know, he like he kicks up on his, t- his tiptoes and back down. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really weird shot. Too. Like, look at his feet are like doing like this, like yeah. a, like a, like a loop de loop. Yeah. So for a man who, who just now is walking, that was such an odd choice yeah, to he, leave in the film. It's he, like, he, look, he could dance a jig. <laughs> he, look, he was, he, he was doing okay there. Yeah. And the bumpus dogs are going to go <laughs> kick him around the house. I mean, it's, it's a very odd thing. And we, and we kind of fast forward past one part, which, I also got to mention was just the part where he says goodbye to Catherine Harold's character, and it's a deliberate homage to Casablanca. Ah, right. It's 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 like, or is it Cas- or is it or is it Key Largo? I always get confused. What's the film where they leave by the by the plane? That's Casablanca. Casablanca. Okay, just making yeah. sure. And and he's and he's like, he's, you know, it's, it, there's no room for us both sweetheart kind of a thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's, it's so bad. It's just, it's just another example of how this film is just really un, uninspired and just, just a cynical thing. And this is also, I think worth knowing, this was basically Schwarzenegger in between hits. Like he had, he, he had kind of a try spell. Like he got big with Conan. Yeah. But then the next few things like red heat and this kind of, it wasn't a big hit. So this is before Terminator, if I'm correct. Yeah. And I think it was right after commando. I think it was command. This came out immediately after Commando. I think Commando was like eighty five, maybe eighty four, eighty five, and uh, this was eighty six. So this was right after Commando. Yeah. But one thing I was reading that was interesting. There's very little to find on the internet about this movie, but behind the scenes, which is you know, as we're discussing this film, it's not hard to understand why. But one thing that I was reading, and actually I'm gonna look at it real fast. I'm gonna come yeah. back because this is 
This is, <clears throat> this is interesting. Yeah, I, I find it quite odd also because of the fact that, you know, when when you watch the performances and 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 these are pretty reputable actors, they've been in things before uh, and, and quite quite successful. Uh, you see that they're dialing it in. You see that they really are just not, they're just doing it to be doing it and seem quite uh, annoyed to be there almost. So I'm not surprised that there's very little out there about it because probably as soon as someone asks them about Commando, they're just like, I don't want to talk about that. Or, or you know, they just leave it at that because I, I'm sure this set was just, like a, just a nightmare to be on. Just I think no one seemed to be happy. I think this was this this was a paycheck movie. This was a movie people oh, yeah. did to, to pay their bills and to yeah. pay their sports cars and to oh, do, yeah. there was there was nothing. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that after the success of Commando and and Conan, you know some some of these actors who hadn't had work in a while, even though they you know uh, were quite known, and some of them who didn't have much of a career but you know played these character roles knew that they'd get enough of a paycheck. The studio would be behind behind it enough because of Schwarzenegger to do this. But I'm sure, you know, the reading the script, the script reading must've been brutal. You know, and then like, Oh, are we really going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm reading an article here on film score rejects who also did a podcast episode about this. Way. I have not listened to, I'm just, I'm just reading their introduction, but they're talking about how raw deal was another film that was produced for DEG, which is, De- De- Oh yeah. De Laurentiis. Right. Yes. I, I knew that. Yeah. And he and you know that was a, a studio that put out some pretty cool stuff. They put out Blue Velvet. They put out Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a lot of cult classics, but they also had their fair share of bombs, which is why they went out of business eventually. Because things of things like Dune and, and whatnot. Yeah, which are, that, yeah, they were really doing huge budget stuff that was, you know, kind of doomed to not make its money back. Um, yeah. They were, he was spending spending pretty ridiculously. Yeah, and <laughs> and there was very little to any promotion for all these films. That's one reason they didn't right. do so well. He just was not a good promoter. Yeah. And what I was reading here was that, that originally, you know, Diva Dinarendis was going to do um, Total Recall. And that was going to happen. But when when this uh, flopped, he couldn't get the money to do it. But his <laughs> version of Total Recall was going to be directed by David Cronenberg, which is oh. interesting, right? But then, yeah. just like Paul Verhoeven, who I think is a great director got stuck with Schwarzenegger, yeah. who's, you know, not a great actor. Uh, yeah. Total Recall would have seen David Cronenberg working with Patrick Swayze. Oh. So, <laughs> which, 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 which makes me wish it happened just because I just would like to see it, you yeah, know? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it's, it, it would be interesting because, I mean, Swayze had some some depth of emotion to and, to him, you know? So I think he could be... And certainly a, certainly a, a better actor than Schwarzenegger. Oh, but, my, oh, God, but, I mean, that... Yeah, my but, cat. My cat is a better actor. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, rest in peace. He, I would say he was he was an amazing actor, though. I think he was just you know, he oh was, yeah, he was one of those character actors who you know kind of just played different versions of himself. Um, right. But but I just I seeing Cronenberg do it. Tariqa would have been very interesting. I think that would have been. I think it would be interesting. I've never done any research of this or looked it up, but I, it would be quite interesting to find out if uh, because, like you said, De Laurentiis was was coming on quite strong in the eighties with his films and they're quite, you know, quite unique and out there. Um, and I think for an Italian studio and director to be kind of making such quick foregrounds into Hollywood, I'd be interested to see if there wasn't some sort of underground movement by studios and production companies and actors to sort of 
undermine his process to to keep this from, you know, kind of to kind of say keep it in the Hollywood family, if you would, you know. Yeah, maybe uh, it, it'd be quite interesting to to research. I might look into that and see because it's it seems like quite a quite a uh, interesting time in Hollywood during that time, and there weren't a lot of foreign production companies that were, uh, you know, kind of coming on big in the Hollywood style genre and almost competing with the Hollywood style genre. So, I mean, it, it to me, it, it could be quite possible that there may have been some some things against De Laurentiis. I'd be interested to read some De Laurentiis interviews about his career to see if there's any, you know, you know, hints at that. But <clears throat> yeah, because I mean, I mean, you're looking at films like, you know, Blue Velvet and, and Manhunter who were, you know, Blue Velvet got some plenty of acclaim, but Manhunter. Well, yeah, I mean, they were, it was up for Academy Awards. I mean, like, uh, I mean, didn't, uh, uh, did De Laurentiis also produce, I know, uh, Rob, uh, it was also, uh, um, De Laurentiis produced, Elephant Man also or not? I'm gonna I'm gonna look up deal dealer. We're gonna do a little detour here, folks, because now we're yeah. we're I'm satisfied. Getting into, getting into Hollywood politics. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Let's see here. Dino D E G. Okay, Deal Entertainment Group. Let's look at what his films were. Company's notable for producing Manhunter, Blue Velvet, Near Dark, Evil Dead Two, uh, King Kong Lives, which is the sequel to his own remake of King Kong. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Transformers the movie, and I would say every single film on that list, although I have not seen King Kong Lives, are all very entertaining films. Yeah, and they're all quite successful, not just from a monetary standpoint, but from a critical standpoint. So, I mean, there there might be something to the fact that you know this this uh, upstart uh, director with his own production, or this upstart producer with his own company, which is making quite headway into Oscar, the Oscars and all of these things, uh, getting a lot of actors to work with him may have been a slight threat to some of the other studios, which weren't having such a great time in the eighties. Um, you know, and even though, even though, I mean, they may have even squelched some of his promotion. That may be why he wasn't so heavily promoted or his films weren't so heavily promoted in the U S uh, you never know. It's an interesting uh, hypothesis to look into, though. That, that would be worthy of a documentary, I think. I would like yeah, to see a documentary. Yeah, actually, I was actually thinking that, too. I, I might uh, just start looking into that and doing some research. And if I find some snippets but no real tangible, you know, already been there, done that thing, that might be something to look into. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. We could do a documentary on De Laurentiis and maybe even get some interviews with the people like Lynch. And <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I saw one not too long ago. I actually interviewed the director for it when I was doing Fantastic Fest. It was a story of Canon Films. Oh, another, yeah. It was a really fun kind of look into so many bad movies for Canon Films. That was a oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that at some point. Oh, yeah. But that was a real <clears throat> a real stinker and a half. <laughs> <clears throat> but I think it's 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 also, for everybody who's listening to this, you know, while we're talking about Raw Deal, it's kind of like our entry point. It was really a launching pad for so many other weirder movies, so much oh, crazier yeah. stuff. I mean, Raw Deal is really kind of tame, I think, in very respects to some other films that we will go on to discover. But I think without it was, Raw, it was the it was the gateway drug. Actually, was what it was. Yeah. It, it really kind of kind of gave us like the impetus to find bad movies and do the whole yeah. rewind, fast forward, rewind. And it was so. I always, you know, actually, I saw Raw Deal was actually on cable a couple weeks ago. I actually DVR'd it and watched it again, and, and Molly kind of gets a kick out of it now. She she laughs all the stuff <laughs> right. that I laugh at because it's just you know it's it's a it's a fine film to put on and, and just not give a shit you know. 
and just kind of yeah it's a background background film and then you know when the good scenes are coming up and you you stop what you're doing you wait for that and then you let it go in the background yeah it's one of those but really that's something that i think that you know raw deal was kind of like the was kind of the um what they call the goose that laid the golden egg or the, I don't know what, what, what what's that term? That they, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's the one. It's, it's something about laying an egg. What is that saying? It's, uh, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know that one. I mean, the goose that laid the golden egg is sort of like the, the gift that keeps on giving, you know, you yeah. have a goose that keeps yeah. yeah. Raw, raw deal. I don't know if raw deal itself was a gift that kept on giving, but it, I would say it, it's, it, it's it's more sparked something else, you know. Mm-hmm. It sparked a, it sparked a, a, an interest in us to see what else was out there it, that it, we weren't expecting to find once we saw, you know, how how ridiculous some of these scenes were that we we just sort of started to seek this out more. It, it lit it lit the farts for bad films. <laughs> yes, it, exactly. it lit the blue flame for which we could we could use <laughs> to, to discover many more films that were yes. even worse and weirder. <laughs> And and more influential into to our sensibilities, I think, and we're definitely going to be covering a lot of those in the near future. I think we've kind of had a lot of time to discuss what we want to work on this project. We've there's been a lot of fun brainstorming about it, but I think our ability to kind of tell all you folks what makes bad movies bad or bad movies so good is something that hopefully y'all can enjoy and and comment on us and tell us what you think about those films. Defend them if you must. Tell us why Raw Deal is, is, is the Citizen Kane of, of bad action films and why we're wrong. Or tell us and, why we're uh, right. Schwarzenegger is the Brando of his generation. Yes, please, please let us know. And we will we will continue to do that. And, and so I, I think, as you guys will see when we go forward, we're, we're hopefully you guys are going to enjoy what we're working on and, and know that we're going to just try to really uh, – Push the, push the envelopes of what you've seen as far as bad sim is concerned, and we're going to we're going to try like hell. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna meet you halfway, and we're going exactly. to we're gonna have that happy freeze frame when hopefully you all finish this podcast and have that look in your eyes with the wet visine tears, and and we can all kind of ride off into the sunset together. So until next time, don't uh, drink and bake. Yeah, definitely don't drink and bake. Try to watch some bad movies. Let us know which ones you think we should cover, and we will see you next time. So cue up the VHS machine and uh, sign off. Sign off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get smoother as we go, folks. This is this is the maiden voyage. It'll it'll get it'll get better from here. It'll get maybe 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 it'll get worse. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't know. We'll, We're gonna we'll try our best. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna play it fast and loose, and hopefully we don't go bust like Dino De Laurentiis. <laughs> all right so i think we're we're done here yeah see you folks yeah (laughs) so that wraps up today's first installment of smells like cinematic sadness thanks for tuning in hope you guys enjoyed it sure to check out Raw Deal so you can see what all the fuss is about. And we'll be back soon with a new bad movie to discuss. Until then, I'm going to leave you one of those infamous quotes from Raw Deal. We'll fade out on that. So take care. Talk to you guys soon. And have a good one. Then walk. I can't walk! Then meet me halfway. Come on. <laughs>